Hi, this is Becky Pitts, host of the Becky Pitts Morning Show. This is Don Shields, host of the Don Shields Show. This is Joe Brantley, host of the Joe Brantley Show. This is Rob Pacey, voice of PBL Athletics. This is Dan Gee. And you're listening to the Jay and Kale Show. Jay, it's been a week since we've talked. Um, pretty busy doing stuff around the station. So right now we're down to one episode a week uh, once basketball season concludes and some of the mayhem around the WPXN studios concludes. We'll get back into our regular schedules. But Jay, it's been a week. What's going on? Not a lot, man. As we always talk about with our in between episodes, got a lot of stuff that always happens, and like you said, uh, one episode a week with it being regional basketball time, both boys and girls, it uh, gets pretty hectic for you guys that are that are there two, three, four nights a week with boys and girls postseason going on. But like we always talk about, we're getting into that uh, time where it's starting to be picking seeds for conference tournaments and. Uh, collegiate men's basketball and then eventually the big dance coming up here before we know it so absolutely you know like you said you know starts with high school it's a fun time of year uh t- tomorrow uh pbl be playing tescola again and that rubber match that's going to be a fun one to watch and then cisna park looking to advance to the sectionals as well those are the two games we'll have on the station but jay we got a big game coming up in about 50 minutes or so and it's a big game, not because of their record, but because this is the only team, it seems like, Northwestern prepares for in both football and basketball as the University of Illinois. Yeah, and, I mean, we've seen Northwestern play good. I mean, I, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say the right word is good. They played good basketball all year. I mean, they're up towards the early and even middle point of the conference season. Obviously, it's a team that hasn't won many games, but they're young. And I'll tell you what, I mean, their margin of loss in the majority of their conference games has not been anything to kind of overlook. I mean, you know, they lose by a three or five, seven, less than ten a lot of yeah. the time. So it's another I team that's going to be ready to play. So I think their biggest loss this year is against Indiana at 12, I think. Right. And that is saying, okay, so we the Northwestern Wildcats are going to take Michigan State down to the wire. They're going to take Michigan down. They're going to take, you know, the Maryland. They're going to give them a scare, even though they ended up winning by eight. But, it's you know, it's still a, a situation where if the Illini don't come in, they don't rebound, they don't spread the floor like they have been the last couple games, they don't get the ball to Kofi, they don't let Io finish at the rim, they seclude him, you know, it, it's going to be a pretty scary situation especially since right now Illinois is in fourth place in the Big Ten, vying for the last spot for the double bye. Yeah, and that would be huge for us, I feel like, to get that double bye for the Big Ten 
tournament for but you know ultimately for when the committee sits down to pick seeds for the for the uh, NCAA tournament as well so obviously we talk about the depth of the Big Ten you don't know what you're going to get night in night out from anybody I mean you'd hope that our defense can uh, anchor our squad like it has all year and uh, give us more opportunities on offense and and you know hopefully we can keep Kofi out of foul trouble it seems like during that skid he was two fouls in the first six minutes on the bench third foul early in the second half on the bench again so hopefully uh we got some execution stuff down and we're uh we're ready to play and we we take care of business like we should be in the fourth place team and at the top of the big 10 so if you follow the Illini like jay and i do then you know that georgie bashanishvili has been seriously struggling when it comes to scoring in the last well let's just say the whole big 10 season this year last year georgie b was one of the top you know, premier big men in the Big Ten. This year, I think he's averaging less than four points a game. Um, and, you know, against if you go back to that Nebraska game, he missed six layups, consecutive layups where he was open and ha- and created the space down low against, I can't pronounce that, that kid's name that plays for Nebraska, but he's going to be good if he's young. Yeah, I yes. don't know. The, the, I, know I mean, exactly he's got phenomenal footwork. And he's just – he looks like a typical Big Ten center. But back to Georgie, he he's – I heard something from Underwood yesterday, Jay, that really, really made me happy. Number one, Georgie Bashanishvili, if you watch him on that bench – now, on TV, it's kind of difficult. But if you get a chance to go to the State Farm Center as the season winds down, which I think it's impossible now uh, because they're sold out, he's always over there hyping up his guys. He's always over there. He's the first one to give, you know, the customary high five when he comes off of the bench or a guy comes off of the floor. So he's a leader of morale. But something that really impressed me yesterday at that conference was that Georgie or Underwood gets to the to the office around 630 in the morning, 10 to eight. He hears a ball bouncing in the gym at Ubbin. It's Georgie Bishanishvili and they're working with the managers. That, to me, tells me that, yes, Georgie knows he's struggling and everybody can see it, but he's putting the work in, and one of these days, that ball's going to fall through the rim. Yeah, absolutely, and you hope that he gets hot at the right time along with, you know, the entire squad in general. And you you got to tip your cap to a kid that understands uh, the struggles that he's having, and, you know, he could very easily lay down, but... Like you said, there's really not much more you can ask out of a kid when he's going through a skid like this offensively and he's still a good teammate and still takes care of business. And, and you know, ultimately, like you said with uh, Underwood, you know, he does the work behind closed doors when no one's watching. And, and I'm, uh, I'm really glad he brought – you know? Exactly. I'm really – I didn't mean to cut you off there. I'm really glad no, – I'm really glad that he brought that up. Because, you know, he's out there saying, hey, Georgie's not just not doing anything about this struggle. You know, he, he's, he's out here. He's in the gym grinding before class and before practice. I mean, that to me, that, that work ethic isn't instilled in every, every basketball player, every athlete anywhere. You know, that, that's just something that, you know, that he's one of the very good benefits of Georgie B outside of his leadership of morale. Yeah, it's hard to not pull for a guy like that. And there's a lot of people that, you know, just watch the games night in, night out. They don't really look at anything behind the scenes. And I think a lot of those fans are are very upset with Georgie. And I'm going to be honest, there for a while I was too. Me too. 
And, uh, you know, because there's still an expectation, even though yes. you're in the gym and, and you're working, which is great and you need that. And I, and I, I tip my hat to him, but I'm really hoping that the production side of things starts to show here. You know, I don't care if you're not making 15 foot jump shots or three pointers on reversal passes or anything, but I just, I really want to see him clean things up, you know, inside five feet, like. He works his butt off, gets huge offensive rebounds, and then can't make layups and can't finish. Or, <laughs> it's so frustrating. You know, he works down in the post, and he's got really – he does. He has great footwork. And he, he beats his man, he gets open, and he just doesn't finish. And, you know, I, and it's not just one guy. You know, there's guys that have off nights for the Illini night and night out. You'd like to see more production out of this guy or this guy or this guy, but – it's just those missed layups, them easy shots, the, the the bunnies we call them. I mean, in an NCAA tournament, you miss two or three of those. You know that 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 could be a difference in winning and advancing or or going home. Look at Minnesota last night. I don't know if you got to see any of that game against Maryland. They they oh my goodness, the last eight minutes, Jay, they must have missed fifteen layups, right. and then they had a chance to secure it at the line. And I I don't know if it was Oturu or who it was. I. He doinked both of them off back iron. How it's it's Maryland. They're not gonna hit. They were uh, struggling last night, and that was apparent. They could not do anything. Uh, or Cowan was 0 for eight, and up until about eight minutes to go in the second half uh, from the three point line, he was just chucking at one point, praying that they were gonna fall into the rim, and nothing was falling. Yeah. It was literally going Minnesota's way, and somehow Maryland who by, I think is probably my national championship pick, still finds a way to pull it out with a miraculous three from the parking lot that that Marcellus kid, I mean, that was just amazing. That was about as good as Trent Frazier's 78-footer. Yeah, and Marcellus kind of a guy that's laying under the radar, I feel like, on a lot of scouting reports because you're, you're, pre, you know, you're working or what I want to say, prepping for Cowan. And they're Smith. obviously there. Yeah, Smith, they're – Probably first round draft pick, possibly. I mean, he's a guy that kind of gets forgotten about, and you know, at six five six six, a little bit of length at like a a three, almost a stretch four, if he absolutely had to play it. That and kid it, does a lot of things well, and yeah, and I've said it from day one. I think starting five, one through five, Maryland is the best team in the Big Ten, and they've showed it. Yeah, their bench is really bad, but you know, right? Yeah, that's that's what I, mean. that's I guess that's kind of hard. So... <laughs> uh, right. What team in the Big Ten though can replace their starting five? Let's just let's just try to break this down real quick. I can't name one. What team can pull hockey style all five starters off of the floor? Put in five more guys that you could get maybe not the same but similar production. Michigan State would be the closest that would do that, I think. And I, that's the only one that comes to mind. You're right. Um, there's probably what? There's probably two positions, realistically, possibly three, on that Michigan State team where Izzo, you know, swaps guys in and out. Pretty much the only two people that stay on the floor the majority of the time, unless they absolutely have to come off because foul trouble is Cassius Winston and. Uh, the big man. Xavier Tillman. Yeah, Tillman. He, uh, Other than that, I mean, it seems like he's got some depth. I mean, he's obviously got some depth at the four. Tillman runs that five. He's got a couple. Another guy who comes in at the four. 
you got a couple other guards that are kind of more spot shooters, but I'm with you as far as picking a team that's got the most depth or could replace a starting five. I would think Michigan State has to be the closest. Aaron Henry uh, coming off the bench at the four, and then Rocket Watts coming in off of the bench at the two. You got Kyle Arns coming in as well, and then that Foster kid. Uh, that he's a sniper. He's just a kid that'll pull up from any point beyond the three point line and just yeah. and just splash it. But moving on, uh, another game that I was really watching really close last night on my phone because um, I wasn't home was. Penn State and Rutgers, and by golly, did Penn State save their season and really hurt Illinois for just trying to get that game separation in there. Yeah, and I really thought Rutgers were going to pull it out, but Penn State just kind of shows why uh, why they belong once again. And just another grind-out win that, uh, that wasn't real pretty. Didn't go as well as they wanted it to. I'm sure Coach Chambers was whining and complaining at the officials <laughs> the whole game. I'm sure it was the ref's fault, but Nevertheless, I know, man, that was so tough. I I really wanted to see them go down for our sake in the standings big time. I, I mean, Penn State had to had they didn't have a choice. They had to win last night to not only save their, their Big Ten season, but they had to also win to save their national playoff uh, hopes. And right. Lamar Stevens, once again, hello, my old friend, because good I, I he couldn't be stopped in the last four minutes. No. Same kind of thing. We talked about his splits and how how much potential he has to just, you know, go from not scoring well at all or not playing well offensively to flipping a switch. And, you know, in two or three minutes, he's got 15-20. Uh, tonight, once again, Northwestern Illinois. Uh, this is like a Jay and I talk. I mean, Northwestern just came to Champaign this year in football and took care of business and just made Lovey Smith look silly. Pat Fitzgerald did. And hopefully uh, Chris Collins doesn't do the same to Brad Underwood tonight because I really don't want to see both of our revenue sports go down to Northwestern. As an Illini fan, I'm going 100% off of the media rails and going into my fandom. That that just kills me to see Northwestern win over the Illini every time it happens. Yeah, I have no expectation other than this being a dogfight for the majority of the time, you know, until one team, hopefully ours, can uh, execute and pull away. I mean, especially with our defense. I mean, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a game of runs. They're gonna go on one, and hopefully we can weather the storm and and uh, go on more and get more stops and scores than they can uh, ultimately. So it's but never yeah, good. I mean, every game makes me nervous with this Illinois squad because <laughs> you just never know what you're gonna get, man. Yeah, I mean, that's, and we've talked about it all year at Nauseam. It's, you could, like when we were recording episodes in that four game skid, that we were about sick to our stomachs. They come back out and they have a great game against Penn State, the IO return game, and he drops 22, and they make Penn State look silly in Happy Valley. I, I mean, it's just so inconsistent that it just really, yeah, I'm with you. It makes me nervous. Uh, moving on, though. Let's get off of Illini basketball because we're going to save a lot of that talk for hopefully when we got to the Big Ten tournament when the real real action starts, you know, coming up here in the end of March. Um, big news topic I saw today before we get into baseball. Uh, we haven't talked baseball in forever. But uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will not negotiate a new deal until the new CBA is configured. And that CBA could take another two, three weeks, if not a month, to be 
to be finalized upon because the NFL Players Association is just, I mean, they're, they're voting against it. The owners aren't working with the Players Association and the, and the player. It's just, it's a complicated situation. That's just the most sense I can make of it. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of started to become more and more of not necessarily a problem, but a pretty important topic that CBA or collective bargaining agreement, I think is the official yes. term for those yep. of, for those people tuning in that don't understand. And basically, just a quick overview, it's the labor agreement, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm eager to see where it, yeah, I mean, what? where where it, impacts My, Tom Brady's decision on it as far as where he lands, you know? what Basically, what they're wanting to do is add an extra game. Right. And, and as a fan, I don't hate it. It gives us an extra week of football. If you get, you know, 17 games, I, I think what should happen is you add two, two more games to make it 18 games, but you get an extra buy. So you get 18 games, but two buys. Or yeah, some some configuration like that. Right. Uh, some something where the math works out to where, you, you know, the workload is is equal. Now I understand why the players are all voting against it because they got to play an extra game, put their bodies at risk, and who's to say the owners are going to pay up? It, that that side of the, that's that's the business side nobody likes to talk about. So when these collective bargaining agreements or CBAs come up, that's why there's such a big big issue, and it takes months to get one negotiated. Right, because, you know, like we always say, it's like any other kind of contract in any sport or any legal thing. You know, no one's ever going to be happy on the first try. It's right. uh, going to take multiple, multiple graphs and revisions and this and that. And the amount of time it takes it all to go through is frustrating from a fan's point of view. But like you said, you got to look at it from both the business side, which is tough for people that, you know, love sports. But and then obviously from the player's side and. Nobody really thinks about them and how uh, it's the whole you watch on a Sunday, but you never really think about what those guys actually go through physically. Right. It's the whole it's it's the whole narrative of, hey, these guys make millions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars. Well, if you look at inflation standards, they were making the same back in 1965 that they are now, really, if you think about it. It's just you, you see these mega deals. It's because of inflation. So it's, you know, it all equals out, right? They, but they make millions of dollars, but these guys are still human. They go through injuries, too. It just happens that they're far superior than, than me sitting on my couch. So, you know, the whole CBA thing, I hope they get it worked out because I, I was leading that into this because I saw I got a hot take for you. Um, I originally pegged, and I think you were kind of on the train with me. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Tom Brady going to the L.A. Chargers. I don't think that's going to happen anymore. I think if he's going to go anywhere, he's going to go to the Titans or the Raiders uh, just for two reasons. Number one, his old buddy Vrabel's down there in Tennessee, and they've got a whole set of defensive players coming back. Derrick Henry, uh, Tractor Cedo. I mean, he it, that dude's just an unstoppable force when he gets going. So they've got a whole lot of weapons in Tennessee, and then how can he not go to Las Vegas in that big brand-new shiny stadium and play for the Raiders and Al Davis and John Gruden? But here's the thing that I'm kind of hung up on is if Tom Brady leaves and say he goes to the Titans and he gets, I don't know, and he, does, he doesn't advance to the playoffs, right? Then everybody's going to spin the narrative, well, he couldn't win without, without Bill Belichick. Say he does win one, then 
that Tom Brady really is the GOAT. So, I mean, he's never entered free agency before. He's never tested the waters. He's never actually had anybody want him. So maybe there's pros and cons to entering it, but I think it's that whole narrative of Tom Brady and Belichick that's going to keep him, that's going to weigh on him the most. Yeah, I mean, for as long as obviously we've been around and as long as people can remember, you've never said Brady without Belichick. (laughs) Ever. So I'm with you. I'm eager to see the type of influence he has in any place other than New England, obviously, with, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, like, if he goes to a team like Tennessee, are you still going to be a run-heavy offense and establish the ground game, or are you going to throw it a little more? Is that going to take away from a guy like Derrick Henry? Is Derrick Henry going to pipe up and say something if that doesn't actually happen? Now that he's kind of proved to everyone that he does belong, same kind of thing in L.A. or not L.A. Um, with the Raiders in Vegas. Um, I feel like, as far as fitting the mold, that's probably a good place for him as well. I mean, Gruden's obviously proved he's a big quarterback guy, been a big quarterback guy his whole life, and I think in that specific situation, Gruden would probably throw a a blank notebook at Brady and say. Just tell me what you want to throw in there, and we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly, I mean? exactly. And I don't know if it would be the same way in Tennessee, which I know if he went to the Rams, I feel like Gruden would probably let him be the OC on the field. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sense. and that's the same thing that Rodgers and LaFleur dealt with this year. You know, the, the whole that LaFleur's the coach of the team, but you have Aaron Rodgers as much as that pains you and I you know, on the field, let him call the audibles coach. I mean, stop trying to power trip on a guy that's proven, you know, how good he is, you know, the same thing with Brady. And if Gruden were to get him to Las Vegas outside of their running back and Abrams, they've got one receiver and Hunter Renfro and he plays just like Julian Edelman and he's got two weapons. So that's something else I think he's going to have to think about. Yeah, for sure. And, it's kind of crazy, you know. It's I'm eager to see how productive Brady can make other players look because there have been instances, obviously, in New England over the past three, four, five, six, even, you know, the last decade where he's had receivers come in who have not necessarily exploded for huge seasons, but, you know, they've been productive where in prior years they weren't. It's like they show up in New England and you have – two or three of these different guys that are like, who is this? And how is he uh, all of a sudden getting me 15, 20 points every week in fantasy now that he's in New England? And I don't, I've never heard his name before. Like, yeah, I, uh, like a Hogan or. Wes Welker. Yeah. Wes Welker. Same kind of thing. It's like, I'm eager to see what, if Brady would still have the, you know, offensive power to, still do something like that which you know nobody really wants to talk about it but I think this man obviously is nearing the end of his rope but you can kind of see it not necessarily physical as in stamina wise but I don't think his arms is good his decision making is obviously as good as excuse me as it's ever been because he knows that he has to mentally prepare more now than ever because I, I really do I mean I it's it is a very unique situation and i and i really wish i knew what was going to play out right now but it is uh it is exciting to think about the possibilities that could happen with him and and not being with belichick and like you said 
essentially make or break in his view in the uh, the eyes of fans as far as being the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Yeah, I agree. And I just got this notification. Commissioner Rob Manford, Bud Selig, to be disposed an injury lawsuit at Wrigley Field. Judge ruled that Thursday. Albert Almora hit that. No, that was in Houston. That was in Houston. This was in this was in 2017. Uh, Judge ruled Thursday. This is a report by William Weinbaum uh, from ESPN. Not real sure who that is, but Judge ruled Thursday. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, his predecessor Bud Selig, and his top deputy Dan Halem are to be disposed by April 3rd in a lawsuit over injuries a fan suffered three years ago when he was hit in the head by a foul ball at Wrigley Field. Really? Uh, I'm not real sure what. So we got new management coming in uh, in uh, baseball, huh? Yeah. It appears, it appears to be that way. I don't know, man. Rob Manfred. Uh, that, well, let's talk baseball. Number one, Rob Manfred really, really goofed up in the whole Astros thing. I... It's a whole situation. Hey, I'm still new here. I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to swipe or sweep that under the rug. And now look what it got him. And by the way, if you find any lines anywhere over under Carlos Carrera getting drilled on the first pitch of the season by every or first pitch of the game by every team's like plus 300, I would hammer that because uh, that guy is really pigeonholed himself. But um, man. And then you got the the sign-stealing scandal, right? You got all that. Then you go to the playoff situation that Rob Manfred wanted to institute with the – you pick your opponent. You added – there's 15 teams in the wild card. That's an exaggeration. But what was that? that? Yeah, like what was he thinking? Get out of here. If if, – hear me out. You may disagree with me on this because some people do, some people don't. The wild card game – I feel should be three games, the wild card round. Because a one-game play-in, anybody can win one game. And then go to the, the, the divisional series and get absolutely walloped. So maybe I, I, if it were to change anything with the playoffs, I personally think that maybe they should change the wild card round to a three-game playoff. If, and that will extend the season for TV just as long because the, you got two series, two wild card to wild card rounds, it's going to extend it by at least another two weeks. Yeah, so essentially your World Series would get pushed back. Yes. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I, uh, I think it. There's a lot. Obviously, baseball is a game where you can't call a timeout or hold the ball or do anything like that, and anything can happen on any given night, and. If a wild card team wins, you know, we've seen that happen. That a wild card team wins and then gets smacked around. Yeah, your Dirty Birds won a World Series off a wild card, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves handed us the wild card. They lost 19 games in the month of August or something. Like, come was that on, was man. that 2011? That was 11. That was the Rangers World Series. I could because that was by far one of the best World Series I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and, you know, back to what you were saying with the playoff format, the only thing I can think of is 
not that it already isn't a problem, but like weather-wise, you know, how much farther back are we going to push the World Series? Right. You know, if it were to happen to end up in a place out east, you know, <laughs> or for the fact that, that matters, the Midwest. Out and you know, I don't know. Other yeah. than like weather or cold, I don't see it being a problem at all. Unless you're going to maybe shorten. I'm sure a lot of guys wouldn't complain if you shorten the regular season by two weeks. Play yeah. 150 games instead of 162. I am. If baseball season can get me to the start of football season, if they shorten the schedule, <laughs> I'm I'm okay. Seriously. Baseball right. is the only thing we got in the summer, and it's my favorite sport, 162 games. I mean, that's – can't lie, that's a lot. But as yeah. long as it didn't affect where the playoffs, no matter what it is, to get me to the round the start, maybe I've only got a week to wait for football season, maybe that's a different story, right? I, I would I would consider that. But right now, I, th- I feel that maybe they should just leave the playoff format alone, leave the 162 games and let's just be done with it and leave baseball alone because there's enough already going on in the shadows that just casts all these dark clouds around America's pastime. Yeah, I know. It's like people – yeah, it's uh, it's a sport that isn't as fast-paced and you have to – you really have to love it, honestly, to get into it, I feel like. And it's to the point where the business side becomes more and more apparent and – TV providers and channels don't want to air stuff for four hours. They don't want a four-hour baseball game that, you know, ratings might not be as good as if they freaking played Family Feud or some crap or whatever. (laughs) You know, it's like, (laughs) it just just aggravates me because the people that are trying to make all the changes to baseball, you know, are people that I feel like have no executives. Yeah. Suits, the yeah, suits. So, yeah, like, I, you, own, yeah. you own a big company and and bought part of Major League Baseball or part of this team or part of this team or whatever, and you can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. You don't even know anything about sports. <laughs> kidding me? You're you're dropping them left and right tonight. I waited a week for this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and I agree a hundred percent. Look at the let's <laughs> let's look at the Cubs. They had they launched their own network. Because they couldn't strike a TV deal with anybody. Number one, that was on the Cubs in the front office, and I'm going strictly back to Tom Ricketts on that because he's trying to be a penny pincher, and he missed his window to win the World Series, by the way, multiple times, and mainly because of this whole TV thing. So now they launched their own, which is great for me as a Cubs fan. I can can watch all the Cubs all day this summer. And I, I can't complain about that. But number one, they should have never left WGN. But the, you know, they were just got so money hungry on the business side that they left the company they've been with for 85, 90 years. Couldn't agree more, my friend. Couldn't agree more. All right, there's and, the rant for the day. I'm with you. I agree. As far as the Chicago Cubs situation, that guy, that guy's time could possibly be limited. Yeah, and I think a very he hard fan base to please. There's two not doing himself any favors as of late. There's four fan bases in baseball that you don't mess with. Number one, I'm going to have to put that up top to the to the Boston Red Sox. 
Number two would be the New York Yankees. I'd put the Cubs third, unbiased. Number four, I'd put the St. Louis Cardinals, just for the sheer mm-hmm. fact that those are the most four historic teams in the in the league. And not only that, up until 2015, I couldn't say this, four of the better teams in the league. Yeah. You're you know, right. The Cubs have just, I don't know. We talk too much Cubs on this. We don't talk enough Cardinals. But well, no, it's fine. It's it's you're right. It's just a big thing in baseball right now. I mean, it's hard to not talk about the Cubs. They were in the same hole for a hundred years, and now we're know, going right back not, into yeah, it. It's hard to not talk about a team that had the success and has had a little bit of taste of that, and you know, are kind of experiencing the same kind of thing that they dealt with forever. But it ain't easy. Like I get it. You know, we make the playoffs. Or, you know, get to the World Series or Division Series in St. Louis, and then we go three or four years without making the playoffs at all. I mean, right? it is. It's frustrating. And I, I understand where you guys are coming from to an extent, other than the fact that if I, if I had to purchase a TV program to watch my favorite team on a daily basis – you know, other than when they're on a, a bigger network like an ESPN on a Monday, Sunday, whatever night, baseball or, or Fox or something, I, I would be absolutely livid. I would. So I got lucky, right? Everybody knows when we do the live reaction podcast, Jay's always about 17 possessions ahead of me because I have streaming services. Hulu did sign a deal with Marquee Network, and it should launch by regular season. Now, I, it sucks because I can't watch any any spring training games. Now, am I going to sit down and watch every spring training game all nine innings? Absolutely not. But I would like to see some of the guys that I may potentially see throughout the year. All right. But I can't do that because they won't. Hulu hasn't entered the deal. They haven't given them the codes, the access stuff, and all that that technical stuff that that they, that they need to have. So oh, I'm just sitting here hoping and praying that I get to watch opening day because I usually take that day off of work and watch baseball. But Heck, yeah. Anyway, um, I saw I was able to uh, in between classes after I got all my uh, stuff done um, was able to pull up uh, some some St. Louis Cardinals baseball because I get that too for some reason I get every Cardinals games I have FS Midwest um, and I saw your new pitcher Librator. Now I'm going to explain something that I saw that I don't know if you got to see any highlights or anything. He had a rough go last Tuesday. And I think the start of it was he got called for a balk that was kind of questionable. Did he deliver to the plate first? Maybe. But did he, or did he step over to the bag? Probably. Um, it, it was hairline. And if they tried to review that, I think it still would have been ruled as a balk. I think from that point on, that was on like his third or fourth pitch. And he couldn't get out of it against the Marlins, and they lost that big lead. And I hope that doesn't set the tone for him because he has got a nasty slider, Jay. Yeah, I've seen some highlights. I didn't see that exact situation you're talking about. I have seen him throw a little bit. Um, as far as the whole lefty pickoff move, obviously me and avid baseball fans, and for those of you tuning in that are, that pickoff move to first base – with lefties is the flip of a coin. I mean, there are so many situations where some umpires will call and or look for that balk, and then other guys will let you get away with almost going to home plate and throwing to first. You know, it seems like every 
pickoff move to first base from a, a good pickoff move from a lefty to first base, somebody is not happy. Yeah. You know, and how I'm trying to block or blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that's something that's hard to police because it's a judgment call. You're right. One pitcher I can think of out of the lefties that gets me very aggravated when he does make his pickoff move, that's Clayton Kershaw because it looks like from the TV angles, it looks like he's delivering to the home to the plate every time. Yeah, he makes his initial leaning, step to the – yeah. He's leaning forward and I don't know. I just – I feel like that is a distinct advantage that I don't know. I don't know what the magic bullet is. I don't know how you're going to police it, but – You can't. Right. And, you it's know, just one of them things thing. that you're just at the mercy of the umpire and hope you don't get called for it. All right. How far and, can I go? But, yeah, back to what you said. I, I would agree. Uh, a young kid like that, hopefully he can uh, – I guess we're going to find out how he handles adversity, obviously, after an outing like that. And I know people are, oh, it's just spring training. Well, these guys are professionals. So it's not right. like they've been doing nothing. Is is Jim Maddox still your pick, pitching coach? Is it Jim? Yes. And well, Jim Matt, Maddox went out there and talked to him, and he was, you know, trying to say, "Hey, we're going to leave you in here. You got the bases loaded, nobody out. We're going to try to leave you in here, see what you can do to get out of this." So there came a point where Schilt had to go out there and get him because yeah. it was starting to uh, get out of hand. But uh, anyway, I don't. I got to see Jack Flaherty start the other day too. And uh, it looks like as of right now, he's going to pick up right where he left off at the end of last year. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, he'll anchor the staff, and he's a pretty uh, pretty special talent. You know, a lot of guys talk about pitchers not really blossoming until their prime of 26 to 30, 27, 31, and at his age, 23, 24, the stuff that he's doing, you know. Pretty much the only thing that could send him back at this point is an arm injury, which will knock on wood doesn't happen. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen because he kind of seems watch. like he's got her figured out already. He's uh, I saw I looked up how old he is. He's gonna turn twenty three in July, halfway through the year. Yeah, so turn twenty three. Jeez. Yeah, he's a year younger than me. You don't see that very often, I feel like, on the pitching side of things. Obviously, you run into some pretty good position guys from from the Dominican that, you know, say they're 19 or 20. <laughs> you know, we don't really know. You know, they could be 30, but no one really knows, you know. Albert Pujols probably 75 years old. Same kind of thing. Like, Jose Contreras, he used to throw for the White Sox. Are you kidding me? That dude looked like he was 60. Yeah. Oh, Same dude. way with Miguel Tejada. Miguel Tejada could play well, and... You know, he was a good player, but at the end of his career, you know, we're kind of like, man, this guy went from, you know, coming into the league at 19, he's uh, an absolute specimen. He looks like he's mid-20s, and then all of a sudden at the end of his career, he was playing like he was 50. Yeah, I know. Speaking of the White Sox, do you remember Bobby Jenks? How could I forget? (laughs) Dude, I saw a picture of old Bobby Jinx on Twitter yesterday. (laughs) He's probably a big boy by now. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I hate to laugh uh, because I'm a big dude, too. That just made me feel good for the rest of the big men out there looking at Bobby Jinx. That dude can throw. Even when he pitched, you know. I know. He came like, out of the bullpen. I feel like the first time he ever came out, everyone's like, oh, who is this guy? And he's throwing 99. Everyone's like, whoa. 
And, you know, I can think of another pitcher in the league right now besides Bartolo, Matt Albers. I don't, I don't know if he's a, he's a big guy, too. Yeah, and the old, uh, the old Dirty Birds had one for a while. We had old Randy Choate, who looked like a... Yep. <laughs> he was a, yeah, I don't even know. what he, he had an unorthodox delivery and looked like he was carrying a basketball in his shirt. <laughs> Two of them. Yeah, no kidding. He's throwing like 84. Oh, he's got good movement, though. <laughs> yeah, barrel movement. Dude just ran into barrels. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, let's see. We're about 15 minutes away from tip. We'll go another uh, six, seven minutes here. Uh, give everybody an update. We got a new intro going. It's uh, pretty sick. Uh, people around the station, uh, shout out Don Shields, Becky Pitts, Dan Gee, uh, Joe Bradley for helping me out and Jay out with that. Um, pretty, pretty fun intro we've got now. Uh, instead of that old just boring, boring music I had to use to avoid copyright stuff um, in the future. So, new intro. It's unique to us. It's going to sound pretty awesome. Um, don't forget to download, rate, and subscribe. But uh, one more topic here. Like I, Jay and I were talking about, we are going to go back to two episodes a week. Uh, now, when baseball season starts, obviously there's not going to be as much to talk about. Jay and I could sit here and talk about baseball for hours, I think. Uh, every week, but we're only going to probably put out 30 minute episodes then. So uh, be prepared for that. And it's going to be all baseball content. Uh, last thing I wanted to say, Jay, is uh, I haven't updated our, uh, you know, those uh, teams that we picked um, for the Big Ten teams, where they were at. I still have them on my computer. I'm going to add those up for the next time we record. I don't know if it'll be Thursday or Wednesday. It all depends on how the IHSA boys go. I do know that you are in the lead by like 15 games. Really? Yeah, because so I was – I felt bad because I put this in a random generator, and I gave you the first pick, or it gave you the first pick. So I kind of took – I can't remember who I took that was still left on the board. Yeah, I took Northwestern, and Wisconsin and Ohio State were still left. So that was where I pigeonholed myself because I didn't see that Ohio State and Wisconsin were left. Um, And right now, Wisconsin and Ohio State have really figured out how to play basketball in the last couple of weeks and have really picked up some huge wins for you. Heck, yeah. You know what they say about blind squirrels? They find a nut every once in a while. But, yeah, um, we've got that. Um, Let's see. What else we got rolling? Oh, I got. I'm gonna put this little nugget in your brain so you can start thinking about it. There's gonna be two episodes coming out here before baseball season starts. It'll be the part of one episode. It'll be a part of another episode. We're gonna run through the American League and we're gonna run through the National League. And this is kind of fun. I'm gonna save this document too. We're gonna figure out. We'll run through the American League first since we're both National League fans, and we're gonna run through each division. Um, and see and predict how many games each team's going to win. Ooh, I like it. So one episode will consist of the American League. The next episode, obviously, we'll do the National League. We'll finish with the NL Central because that's one that we'll follow the most. Whoever gets the closest um, to to the NL Central, strictly the NL Central, whoever predicts the closest, 
is going to have to do some kind of, I don't know, some kind of punishment. Nothing severe. You're not going to make me get like a dumb tattoo or something, are you? No, God, no. I'm I'm, <laughs> I don't like needles, so I hope you don't do that to me. No, I, I'm, I just said it's kind of one of the funny trends I've started to see. Guys that lose fantasy football I have to get tattoos. I'm like, there ain't no way that's happening around here. No, man, I'm not a big fan of needles. I, I don't mind tattoos, but I just don't like needles at all. Can't disagree with you there, bud. I'll say it. I don't care. I'm 280 pounds and hate needles. There, I said it. <laughs> all righty. Um, Illini is about to go in 10 minutes. 6.50 here Thursday. Um, Jay, it's been fun. Hopefully we get back into our two episodes a week here. But, you know, all the teams we're covering at the station, I kind of want them to go pretty deep because, you know, the more teams we got come March, hey, that's just the more fun it is. Absolutely. Uh, like we always talk about, fun time of year for all levels of basketball, high school all the way up to college. Pro, too, you know, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, mid-late season and, uh, in your NBA type scene, too. So I'm with you. Hopefully the local teams can – and stick it out and uh, hopefully get to the dance in Peoria. Absolutely. Once again, um, speaking of NBA, that just put another thought in my head. I'm going to have a blog this week, probably Sunday, uh, on the NBA uh, because Jay and I don't talk a lot about that. But, you know, the NBA is kind of tough to talk about because that's a, that's a, you know, a league that you love or you hate. I love it. I watch a lot of NBA. Most people don't. We kind of avoid it, so that's fine. Uh, but I am going to write a pretty lengthy blog on the NBA. You'll be able to find that on the WPXM website. Once again, Jay, as always, it's been fun, brother. Look forward to talking to you Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. And go on. Once again, you're listening to the Jay and Kale Show presented by 104.9 WPXM Paxton Rantoul. We'll talk to you later next week. <laughs>